Yeah, 2-1 on his jersey, playing like he's number one Best big in the league and it's no debate Who's from the haters, point him to the exit I guess every franchise needs his process Every franchise needs its own process Coming down the lane, yeah, watch your head, yeah We post a every game, yeah, get your Kodak Once he gets you under the basket, you better just pray Hit you with the jab, step, knock down, lock from Ben Get out the way, and one, let the fans know it Yeah, homie, let the fans know it Watch the trailer, the three is going in your eye if you mess, you better get back Cause if them bees, there won't be a putback Keep all that trash out of the paint Cause them bees will put it back in your face He's a cold-blooded killer And he take no prisoners Yeah, dump off from TJ Call it the feed to him, B What's going on, everybody? It's a brand new episode of the, the Feed to Embiid On Thursday, September 2nd um, A lot going on in, in Sixers world this week And... I wanted to get somebody on the podcast who is uh, neutral and very even keel and objective and above all else, honest with the way they feel about things. And I thought, what better person for that than my friend Kevin Kincaid from Crossing Broad. Kevin, how are you tonight? I'm great, man. That's very generous. Anytime anybody says that you're fair and honest and uh you know all those sort of things that's the uh it's the greatest compliment you can have you know especially 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 in a place like philadelphia yeah for sure now there's i you know i, I do like that your your articles are, are very easy for me to read during my during my work day because i can like, <laughs> I, I, I don't have to like come down come back to them over and over again but i, I get my 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 daily news from crossing broad a lot of the time so well, I, I appreciate that man you know that's part that's that's part of the uh um, that's kind of the process, you know, it's like when I, I actually come, that comes from TV. Like when I worked in television for all those years, you know, that you were writing like four sentences for a story, you know? So they were like, yeah, believe it or not, they're like, write for, write for, uh, an audience that's like in sixth grade or something. Keep it simple, you know, they make yeah. it as easy to read as possible. And so you try to just make it like casual and conversational and, uh, yeah. try to eschew the, uh, fancy words as they would say. That's definitely like, cause I, I, I talked to, um, to Mike K all the time, venj.com. And I mm. definitely think like finding your voice is so important. And I still, I'm like, I, I, I kind of try to pull in mixes of, of the way he writes. Cause he keeps like, he, you know, he separates his sentences and his paragraphs. So it's like yeah. not too much to read, but then I also bring in Kyle's tone, Kyle Newbeck. And then yeah. I also kind of circle back to you a little bit. I, I kind of blend everybody in to get my <laughs> tone the way I write. Um, now granted, I haven't learned to, to master the shortening of things. I write way too long when I write, but I also go in depth. So it's sort of like the, the balance there. Um, but enough about, enough about me. No, it's all good, um, man. Um, so lots going on this week, right? Um, we got you. You finished the rooting in your driveway today, correct? That's right. Yeah, it was a hell of a project for a sports writer to complete. But I'm getting, right. I'm, I'm, fi- I'm finding my way back into suburban uh, outdoor work mode. You know, it's we we live. My, my wife and I lived in the city for like 12 years, and now we're back out here, right? So trying to find my feet again. You know, <laughs> right? Now we're, you're in you're in Lansdale, correct? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, we were in Fishtown for a long time, and uh, before that, I was in Graduate Hospital for a while, and. Uh, but I, I grew up out here, so I'm I'm from the uh, Montco Berks County border. So I claim I claim both. I don't know if that's mm-hmm. if you're allowed to do that. But I went to high school in Berks County, but I grew up in Montco. And yeah, we moved out here during the pandemic, and uh, we have a little girl. And uh, we were just oh, yeah. like, yeah, you know, we we're like millennial couple number ten million to say, all right, well, it's time to, <laughs> it's yeah. time to go. You know, we've been been to every bar, been to every restaurant. It wasn't like you were leaving the city with any kind of uh, FOMO. You know, it's like you did yeah. it all and you've been everywhere. So. So here right. we are. Yeah. Yeah. Were you guys affected by the whole thing last night, the hurricane or the uh, the tornado? No, nah, we lucked out, but actually my neighbor, his driveway is pretty much kaput. He, they, uh, there's a couple flag lots in the neighborhood and there's one that's behind us. And so his uh, driveway goes over like a culvert and there's like a 36 inch pipe below it. And we were just standing there. They were on one side of the driveway. We were on the other side of the driveway in the middle. We were just watching this huge sinkhole form yeah. and the whole thing was just disappearing right before yeah. our eyes. But yeah, it was crazy, man. We lucked out. Yeah, we lost a tree in the backyard. That wasn't a big deal. And my log uh, bridge over the creek floated away. But man, uh, you know, knock on wood, that was uh, that's it. And it'll won't be anything more. So there we go. It's funny because I was so like because everything's been so hectic this week. I've been trying to like 
come up with different angles or stories every night. So I was trying to write last night and I, in my, in my house, I live in the attic per se, because mm-hmm. it's, it's, the, it's the entire floor to myself is my okay. room. Um, and so I was, I was writing and then, you know, I live at home still. My mom is like, gotta get out of the attic. It's, it's, it, they're saying it's gonna be a massive tornado. And, uh, I'm someone who is, is, is not too far removed from the days of, 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 sn- of snow days. And yeah. Yeah. too many times I've been scorned by weathermen, um, who have been wrong. So I don't typically ever buy the weather reports. So I was like, okay, the, their alerts passed. It's over. I'm good to go. This was never, this was a hoax to begin with. And then here, <laughs> lo and behold, I'm looking at Twitter and everyone's posting videos of houses in shambles and people's lives ruined. So I feel like an asshole. No, it's day. funny though, man. Cause you know, like when I worked in news, you know, um, I worked in the news business. I mean, weather sold, you know, that's what, that's what the consultants would tell us to do. And people were interested in that. <laughs> You'd leave the show with, uh, with the big rainstorm or whatever. And people are just like glued to the TV when they see like uh, Cecily Tynan and Adam Joseph at the green screen or, you know, Kate Bilo yeah. and Kathy Orr and all those people I had the pleasure of working with back in the day. And it's just, uh, yeah, you know, a younger generation is more like getting everything from, uh, from their smartphone, you know? So it's, uh, you know, all of a sudden uh, the remnants of a hurricane uh, roll over and you're like, Oh, I didn't know about that. So. Yeah. By the way, they put on a clinic last night with with their coverage of of of, of the entire thing. So hats oh off man, I that. know the t- TVs like TV is uh, getting more and more obsolete, but they were made for nights like that. You know, we had a couple of those. I mean, I worked Sandy, I worked Irene. You know, I worked the night that uh, they got Osama. <laughs> like we did all, all the snowstorms. Wow. So we did all that, all that stuff, man. It brings back some. Uh, uh, some good memories, but mostly yeah. bad, bad memories. So yeah, it's funny. My my cousin's a reporter in Tampa, like a, a news reporter, TV reporter, and she actually is like she went to BU, so she was in the communications, you know, uh, industry. That was her pipeline from school. So she had a more natural transition to it. Whereas I went to school for finance, and I found this my senior year, and this is sort of like the the path that I've kind of crossed into uh, um, in my life. So just comparing notes to her, but yeah, it's where you're coming from. It's like, th- those are the stories that, that, that really, when people watch the news that they're typically older generation people who are very intrigued by the we- by the weather, because it's, you know, they're, they're, they're worried about their houses and, you know, this and that, and uh, you know, their kids are out and about and they want to make sure that their kids are okay. So the weather is something that sells for them anywhere you go, really. It's a changing world, man. Just journalism in general, you know, before it was like impossible to, uh, you know, it's like you had to go, if you wanted to be in writing or if you wanted to be in sports or anything like that, you had to go to a four-year college, get your degree, go work for some crap newspaper for five years before a place like the Philadelphia Inquirer would even look at your resume, right? Yeah. And, uh, you know, now you see they're hiring people who are like got two years of professional experience who graduated from uh, Penn State in 2019, you know, and you got, and you got guys on the beat out there who are really talented who are still in college or, you know, doing it independently or, uh, you know, they're a quote unquote blogger or independent or they're doing their own thing or whatever. And, uh, you know, it's the game's changing. It's like, if you're good, you're good. You know, it doesn't really matter what your outlet is. So yeah. it's, um, it's, it's interesting to watch the, the transformation of it all. Yeah, for sure. And it's, uh, it's, it's, it's certainly become more competitive with, with, with what, with what you're saying, like about the, the, the outlet, that you represent doesn't really matter as much as the content that you produce. Cause like everyone's different. Like, no, it's true. It's true. I mean, look, it's like, uh, you know, you got a lot of non-traditional people who are like co- covering the Sixers, you know, I mean, look at Sixers, Adam, what is he 20 years old right now? You know, and he's writing for spikes website, but his stuff yeah. is good. And he knows what he's talking about. So at the end of the day, it's like, um, you know, you're trying to balance the fact that you want people to have to pay their dues and put in the same amount of work that yeah. you, that you did. And, uh, you know, you feel like it's unfair to a point, but like, look, if people's stuff is good and they know what they're talking about, then who are, who are we, we being like the older experienced guys to tell anybody what, you know, yeah. what pay, what path you got to follow. It's, it's not linear, man. I mean, you can get from point A to point B in a bunch of different ways now. So I wish I had come out of college 10 years later. <laughs> right. Not exactly. I, yeah. I get you there for sure. Yeah. Um, and you you are right. Like as someone who is who is like that myself, it's definitely like I obviously my name is 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 not as significant as as Kevin Kincaid's name or or Kyle Newbeck's name. But like you know, if you if you read what I write, I would like to I would like to think that the average reader says, okay, well this guy is someone like worth listening to because he provides some nuance rather than the typical Ben Simmons sucks because he shot 34 percent the free line <laughs> and that stuff know. takes longer to no, and I, I that stuff takes longer to set in because anybody could come out and you know make a bunch of shit takes and make a name for themselves but they're, they're nobody's going to take them seriously you know versus yeah. like 
um, you know, being slow and steady and, and fair and just being a reasonable person, like maybe four or five years from now, people say, oh, it'll just click. And they'll be like, these are the legitimate guys. And these are the, the hot takers, you know, Philly's yeah. Philly's like slow to Philly's slow on the uptake, but you know, it's like, you know, in a good way. It's like, you got yeah. people who've been vacationing at the same spot at the Jersey shore for 40 years. You know, it's not that Wildwood is better than sea isle. It's just that that's where they've been going the whole time. So that right. goes, that goes for media members and all this. Cause there's a reason why action news is the most popular. It's because they're, they do the same damn product they've been doing for 30 years. So yeah, you know, there's like familiarity and whatnot. So for sure. Absolutely. So let's get, let's get down to it. So Monday, the, the Keith Pompey story drops, um, with, with, with Ben, uh, and his camp officially, they haven't, I don't think the words were used that he requested a trade, but he basically said, I'm not coming back here ever again. And, uh, you know, they're willing to hold out and that they're willing to take, you know, the, the fine money uh, that would come if they hold out of camp, which I thought was an interesting caveat, because, like, usually you don't see guys wanting to, to lose money um, in, in any scenario. Um, I, I, so obviously this was something that, like, we all anticipated, right? Like, like no one, no one felt like Ben Simmons was going to be, especially with, with Rich Paul representing him, someone who with, with that level of, 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 of clout and, and ego, if you will, they weren't just going to roll over and say, yeah, we'll be there. We'll, we'll, we'll play the part. And so we, even if it wasn't officially reported or mentioned until Monday, we still felt like this was inevitably going to happen. Yeah. And I, you know, nobody should really be surprised. Right. That's why I, I just kind of chuckle a little bit when I think to myself that, you know, after the game seven loss, I think most of this, I think we'd probably agree that most of the city and the Sixers fan base was probably done with Ben yeah. and didn't want him back and wanted him to take a hike. So then Ben, you know, we think says, all right, well, I'm done and I don't want to come back. And then what, everybody gets offended for yeah. some reason, even though he wants what you want. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, I, but I get people being upset because it's like they think he's a quitter or they think he's a loser or something along those lines. So I understand where people are coming from. It's a, it does seem a little hypocritical. But, you know, at the same time, it's like I think you got to like boil it down to the most simple thing. You know, so, sometimes it's the most simple explanation that you got to focus on is that um, sometimes these things just naturally run their course. You know, it's like a Carson Wentz situation. You know, the fan front office player agent relationship is just kind of frayed and it's irreparable. And sometimes like change of scenery just benefits everybody. You know, Ben took the brunt of the blame for that playoff series loss. And look, he was passive and he didn't shoot. Everybody knows about the non dunk and things like that. But Tobias Harris shot eight for 24 in game seven and Joel Embiid had a bad turnover and missed a couple shots. Uh, took a three pointer. They didn't need, um, you know, Matisse, oh, Matisse. 12 in the oh, 12 second half game five. Right there. Yeah. And, um, you know, to, uh, Matisse Thibel had the terrible foul on the three pointers. Well, so it's not like, you know, it was only on Ben Simmons, but fans naturally focus on, on one person. And uh, it's just how it is. It's not it's 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 not any, anything that anybody should be surprised by. Yeah. And, you know, I, I think the, the 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 part of it that people are like, they, they, they're. You, you'll see it like where it's like people will respond to it, they'll engage with it when you put it out there, because it's the truth, like. They didn't want him back. Why should he? Why should they be offended when he says, "I don't want to be somewhere where I'm not wanted"? Um, yeah, and- that's well. That's a that's a thing in itself. I mean, like, look at it this way: it's like if you have a girlfriend and you decide that you want to break up with her, right? And then she comes to you two days later and says, "You know, I think we should break up." Like, are you mad at her for wanting what you wanted? You know, it's not right. sort of that. It's more about the process of getting there. And like Philadelphia sports fans think that, like, you know, if you're struggling or you're not playing well or you're trying to turn the corner or whatever that, that the blue collar the quote-unquote blue collar gosh you want to buckle down and prove everybody wrong but it's like i don't blame ben simmons for not wanting to prove anything to these people if these people are already re- trying to run him out of town or don't want him back then what is his incentive to come back and prove anything to those people you know like it doesn't yeah. make him a loser or a quitter necessarily like if he if, if you're if it's not going to be reciprocated then what's the point you know so i i can i can see both sides of it you know yeah, and I mean, I I think the issue is that the fans they want their side of it to be the only side seen. When Correct. I think our job as 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 the media, you you you're you're more established. I'm more of a of a of a, a up and coming young guy, young guy. But I think the, the the mentality that you have to have when you're evaluating the situation is you can't just portray the fan side of this where they feel like they've been robbed of 
uh, years of, of of their lives because Ben Simmons has wasted you know the the seasons for them or you know whatever. This is also this is a human being you're dealing with here, and if he did, it, 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 I would challenge anybody to go to their place of work, and you know they look around, their colleagues don't like them, the upper management doesn't like them. Um, and you're not going to be comfortable in that situation. You're going to want to get the hell out of there too. Like it, it's, it's, it's a very applicable part of, of life. It's just a very, uh, you know, it's, it's a very public display, which is why it gets so yeah. up. Look, man, I, I worked in Atlanta for four months and hated what I was doing down there and I quit. Right. And I took another job. Does that make me a quitter? Yeah, I guess it does. But at the same time, like, you got to do what you think is in your best interest. And, you know, I think a lot of the people who are criticizing Ben Simmons or Carson Wentz or any of these people probably found themselves in a situation they didn't want to be in. And did they say to themselves, well, I'm going to prove myself to these people. They said, no, nah, hell the hell with this. I'm out of here. Right. You know, like, right. I, I don't, I don't know. You know, look, I, I, I see, I'm like 36 years old and, so I think I fall somewhere in the middle of like the the older generation that wants to hold athletes accountable and call sports radio and complain and stuff like that. And, you know, a younger generation of fans and media who are more empathetic and sensitive to the fact of what you're saying is that these guys are human beings and that, uh, you know, it's not just a one way street. You know, if we're going to criticize them, then we should be fair game for criticism as well. You know, fans and media both. And, uh, you know, it's, it's always a tricky situation because I, I think the thing that I always come back to is like, look, you know, you Philly is easy, man. You don't have to do a lot to be lost yes. here. You yes. know, I mean, right. you got people running around with Tyrese Maxey avatars, you know, saying that he's untouchable and like a Damian Lillard trade. Like, you got to be kidding me. Yeah. Mike, Mike Scott gets his own hive. Right. So it's like <laughs> the default behavior is that like you get unconditional support for doing jack shit. Right. So yeah. um, I would point that out when you talk about situations like Ben and Markel and even Joel Embiid complaining about the booing at the same time to say, I was in the building when they were cheering those guys like crazy, trying to encourage them to hit free throws and three pointers. They were not sarcastic <laughs> cheers. They were supportive cheers. And to say that like the fans got to be better when they had your back to begin with, you know, it seems a little, uh, you know, a little odd to me, but uh, most people have short term memories. Yeah. And so it, it leads me to an, another point. And you know, I wrote a whole thing about this last night because I thought it was an interesting avenue and perspective that the players and the Sixers, Danny Green and Joel Embiid, are trying to communicate to the to the to the fans in some way. It's kind of up to the fans to, you know, you don't have to they're not telling you you have to change. What they're really telling you is maybe listen to the message. And that was my point in writing this. But you make a great point about the cheering. When, you know, when Markel hits a pull-up three in the entire arena, you'd think it was the finals. Or you know, Ben hits a hits a hits a three in the corner, and you'd think it's like the greatest thing that's ever happened because of the way it was cheered for. Now, obviously, you know, if, if you're in attendance there, and, and if you're someone covering the game, you you're experiencing it as in a as a third party there. You, you don't read it the way the players read it, or the way that you know it's 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 read on social media or off through the TV, but. You think there's an argument to be made where like a player hears that about themselves or they rewatch or they watch the replay and they're like, damn, this is kind of like embarrassing and almost like disingenuous for me. I think so, for sure. And, you know, it's I think it's on us, the media, to ask Danny Green and ask Joel and be the next time we get them on a Zoom call or in person at training camp to say, look, can you guys just elaborate on this? What you know, what is it specifically that you want fans to be better with? Because be better is so is so vague. Are you talking yeah. about booing? Are you talking about toxic trolls on social media? Are you talking about people getting in your Instagram DMs and saying terrible things? Um, you, what, we, you know, be more specific here. And, you know, we'll, we'll listen to the message and we'll try to hear it for sure. You know, I don't, I, I think that, you know, whenever somebody says like, well, you know, Michael Jordan had to deal with this and, you know, Charles Barkley and Kobe Bryant and they, you know, they had to be mentally tough and all that. They didn't have like this cesspool yes. of Twitter and Instagram and Facebook yes. and all these people saying this nonsense about them all the time. And yes. um, it's true. They did have sports radio and there's a lot of negativity on there, but you know, they couldn't, it wasn't like people could directly go at you on, you know, your Twitter account or something like that, you know, it was always kind of secondhand hearing. You didn't have to turn the radio on if you didn't want to, but right. I would just say like, look, man, we're willing to listen. Um, tell us what, what you think specifically is the problem and uh, we'll go from there. But I think, uh, you know, the older generation of fans uh, is of the mindset that the fan is the paying customer and um, they're not accountable to anything except 
just trying to be a decent human being, you know, and sometimes that's hard. Right. Yeah. Now I totally agree with what you're saying here. And that, you know, you bring up the Embiid's parts. So I guess we'll get into that now. We'll add this to the mix because it's, it's all, it's all related. Embiid comes out yesterday and quite frankly, I thought it was as professional of a display as I, as you could have asked for out of, out of Embiid to come out there and say like, you know, uh, I love playing with Ben. He, the stats don't lie. He's an amazing player. Even if he doesn't believe it, he's showing public support for his guy. And, you know, and, and he's basically trying to keep it, keep, keep, keep it civil for the, for the kids before they go to college. Right. Even though the divorce is inevitable. Um, <laughs> It's kind of, yeah, it's like it's kind of what it is. Yeah. Um, and he mentions the booing, and yes, he was booed, and that you know that was a whole different thing. And it makes you think like, okay, but this isn't the first time we've heard this this summer, right? And Danny Green goes on John Clark's podcast, and you know he talks about it a little bit. And obviously, Danny probably should have been a little more careful with it because he hasn't been here long enough. He's played like what a total of. Mm-hmm. 20 games in front of Philly fans. He hasn't been immersed in it when, when the team has really been, you know, had bad moments. Um, and he wasn't on the court to, to, to be a part of it uh, when they lost to the Hawks. So he doesn't really know in the same way, but I think the underlying point that they're making is, I, I don't think it's about the booze, even though they're saying it's about the booze. Like, I think that's sort of that's their application of it, but the booze, I think, like, because if, if a guy can't, isn't, 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 can't tolerate booze, he also probably is not going to be so receptive and tolerant, tolerant and able to handle people in his DMs and people on Instagram calling him a bum, a clown, uh, telling him he sucks. That, you know, it, it remind, it's a constant reminder every time you play poorly of the things that you don't do well. And I, if, if that's the message they're getting across, which I think it is. I think that's a cause for some level of introspection into the way that not just Philly fans, because this isn't just Philly fans. Every fan base has people in the DMs or people who say nasty shit because that's just how fans are. Um, and there's going to be people everywhere who do that. But I think in this market in particular, where Ben can have the, a, a beautiful 30 point, 12 assists, 10 rebounds game, but he'll still read people on Twitter telling, saying that, you know, it was against this team. It was that because he doesn't shoot a jump shot. It, it It's a situation where he can't win at all, really, unless he shoots the ball. Yeah, no, I mean, and that's a fair point. And, um, you know, I guess you could parse what Danny Green and Joel Embiid are saying to mean like, look, can we just get off this this roller coaster of, of high highs and low lows, you know, and try to just curb the negadelphia a little bit and just try to like understand that this is a long haul season and it's not like this game we're here and then this game we're here and this game we're up here and now we're down here and we're on the on the negadelphia to positive it's like the 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 jerking back and forth of the typical philadelphia fan experience is like like will give you like vertigo right right you know i remember ben three years ago in the you know in the brooklyn series game one they came out and lost and he didn't play very well then they booed him off the floor and in the locker room, he told us that the fans can stay on that side, you know, if they're not, you know, if they're not into it, then he got, they, I think they booed at the beginning of game two. And then he went out and put, put up like 18, 10 and 12 in a win, mm-hmm. you know, and then everybody was back on board. Right. Mm-hmm. And so it's not, I think it's their constant, like the herky jerkiness of like the fans are back on board and then they're off the bandwagon mm-hmm. and they're on the bandwagon. It's like, uh, you know, I think that just like messes with people, you know, where it's like, Show, just try to should take a step back and show a little bit more pragmatism and you don't always have to have these severe reactions to every single little thing that happens, you that's know? Right. I, yeah. Yeah. I think that's probably what they're saying, but uh, you know, Danny green, obviously like you respect what he has to say because he's a guy who has three rings and like, he's a veteran. Right. But at the same time, like you said, he hasn't been here for that long. So, and doc rivers hasn't been here for that long. And, yeah. Daryl Morey has it. And I asked them straight up. I'm like, look, I mean, how much do you take into account the fact that like fans are disappointed and have expectations that stem from season after season of before you got here? Like, mm-hmm. you know, you have to understand that. And they basically just blew me off and were like, well, we're not really focused on that. I'm focused on this team. And I like, I'm thinking, I don't, I don't like that answer because it's like, you got to understand the urgency of like fans sat through the process. They sat through some crap years and disappointments with Brett Brown as well. And so like that goes hand in hand with the, with the fans got to be better too. The fans supported this franchise through a significant tank. Yeah. So, and the fans who were Sixers fans before the process, before 
like, you know, rights to Ricky Sanchez and stuff like that created this groundswell of younger support as well. Like the people who watched the Willie Green years or whatever, you know, like Sixers uh, fans, Sixers fans have, have suffered for a long time. You know, so I would yeah. say to Joel Embiid and Danny Green, like, look, with all due respect, like they haven't seen a winning product in a long time. So I think that what they're saying has some, some justification to it. Take a quick break from the pod to talk about our sponsors at the King Cobra. Do you like shotgunning beer? Do you want to increase your shotgunning time at parties? Check out my boys at the King Cobra. The King Cobra is a shotgunning tool that makes the perfect shotgunning hole in under a second. It's also a tab puller, vent puncher, and all fits on a keychain. For more information about the King Cobra, you can check them out on Instagram at the King Cobra Co. That's the King Cobra Co. Um, and Cobra is spelled with a K for a 10% discount. On all, on all products, enter the code, trust the Cobra 10, all caps, all one word, pick up yours today. Yeah. And, and I think, I think that's totally fair. And I, and I will, you might feel a little breeze. It's going to be me blowing some smoke. I will say this because, because um, you do, you're very comfortable with, and I, I think it's like incredible. And it's like, a, it's like something that I haven't learned yet. You come out first question and you're like, listen, I got to ask this. And you do have to ask it because it's a question that needs to be answered when 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 Ben goes four or fourteen from the free throw line or, or you know or, or this or that happens. You're the first person there to be like, we got to address this. Um, and and then they'll blow you off or they'll even they'll, they'll, they'll condescend you and say I won't even justify that question, even though it's a question that's perfectly justifiable because of what happened. So I I do I, I do I do applaud you for that because that that's I, a, well a, well I appreciate that man. I don't you know it's funny because uh, you know. That's the hardest thing for sure. And I, I know like, um, you know, there are certain questions that you know you're probably not going to get an answer to. Um, I think you have to approach it pretty carefully. You know, I think if you're like a guy who only asks like hard questions or negative questions or focuses on one thing, then you're probably not going to get anything returned. But you try to be fair and just just every hard question you ask, you ask something fair and easier too at the same time and try to walk the line. But yeah, I mean, like the thing with Doc Rivers and like the Ben free throw shooting and pulling him off the floor, like that that was that was a little bothersome last year. But I mean, you know, again, it's like you you everybody sees it with their own two eyes. You know, it's yeah. not like it's you're asking anything that you think is crazy, and um, you know, so you just got to trust yourself that you, I don't know, believe <laughs> believe that what you're doing is is fair and and try to stick oh, with yeah. it. You know, yeah, and, and, I, and I think there's a tendency. In, in this era, especially, and I think it's especially the case when you have a guy with the resume of a Doc Rivers or a guy that's that's regarded as highly as Daryl Morey is, where you're going to often just like try to ask the soft questions because you don't want to like challenge them. But you also, as a reporter, it, it is it is the job. It is what it is why you're credentialed. You have it's sort of a, a service that you owe towards the fans and the viewer to ask the questions that deserve explanations. Like when 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 Doc didn't um when doc didn't like uh use a challenge for something or or, or for uh, the game in portland that they lost earlier in the year yeah that was something that people wanted answers to so that was like you know i, I and i i asked that question and it was hard because it's like my first year on the beat i don't want to make enemies but at the same time it's a question that is very justifiable and needs to be answered yeah and there's nothing wrong with any of that i think one of the quirky things was you know we still haven't gotten to talk to doc in person you know we haven't been able to be introduced to daryl in person either it's not about making friends with anybody it's not about pulling punches it's not about being best friends or whatever but you know i think when you have a that relationship, you know, somebody in person, there's more of a, you know, mutual respect and an understanding there to say like, you know, I'll try to be fair. And, um, you know, I'm going to ask you some hard questions, but I'll ask you, if, um, you know, I'm not going to ask you anything that, that, that's, that's unfair. And, you know, coaches and GMs usually respond to that pretty, pretty in, in kind, you know, and it, it's very identifiable who, I mean, I don't want to sound like a jackass here or anything, but I was, I would say that like the PR staff members and like the coaches and the players and, uh, you know, all those people, like, they know who the, the dopes are and they know who, like, the <laughs> legitimate people are. And no, it is. I mean, because some people, it's just an acting job and it's, yeah. it's just a whatever. I and I, I, the, I the, the greatest compliment that I can pay to the to the Sixers beat is that, like, you know, guys like Derek and Rich and Kyle are, are, are not, like, you know, hot take, let's get this quote, you know, let's, you know, put on a show. Yeah. Like grandstanding kind of guys, you know, it's, it's very straightforward. Just you know, try to try to be fair and try to write the best stuff that you can write. And, you know, in that, in that regard, it's a lot different than, um, you know, a lot of the stuff that you find elsewhere. Yeah. And I think like those guys, 
like the, that's the model, right? Like that, that, that's the model that a young, a young person follows. And so like, if I ever, you know, like, assuming they credential me for, for this season, I would love to just like sit with them 30 minutes and just talk and like learn from them because they're good. They're, 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 you're, they're fair. And they tell, they tell a story and analyze the game in a way that um, they address the shortcomings of the player of the team, but they also address it from a, a standpoint where it's like, okay, but this is what they are doing well. And this is, you know, this, this is why this is the case. So they justify everything that they say. Yeah. It's hard, man. I mean, look, like, let's be honest, you know, Negadelphia is easy. You know, anybody can call up, you know, um, the radio, like mad Mike or Mike from King Oppression, say a bunch (laughs) of nonsense, you know, say Embiid's fat and he's out of shape and he's a loser. (laughs) Anybody can do that. Right. You know, and yeah, at the same time, like Potsadelphia is really easy too. You know, you just Mm -hmm. put, you put your fingers in your ears, like a little kid, you bury your head in the sand and you pretend that nothing's wrong. So trying to trying to be in the middle is uh, is it's not easy, you know. You're trying to actively walk the line and try to be fair to everybody while while you know writing about the writing the stuff that people want to want to read and asking the questions that people want to hear. And you go too far in either direction, and uh, you, know, you go too far in one direction, you're Dave Dave Spadaro, God bless him, and then you go in too far in another direction, you're Howard Eskin, you know, and you don't want to be there either. So it's like you know, it's trying to just trying to find like the sweet spot where you're. Um, where yeah. you're fair, fair, but you're asking stuff that people want to want to know about at the same time. Yeah, I mean, you know, How, Howard asks the questions that that people kind of you know they 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 don't want to ask, but they also know that they that why should they have to ask it when he's present because they know he's going to ask it anyway. So, well, and the problem too, and I think you know I, I rip Howard Eskin more yeah. than anybody in this market, but but to you're me, right. to be fair to Howard, you know, he's he is indeed asking questions that people want to know the answers to. Yeah, the problem with that is that that's the only thing he asks. Yeah. So when he goes up to Ben Simmons and he asks him 40 times in a row over the course of three weeks, you know, when are you going to shoot a jump shot? You know, he's not going to get anything legit in return because Howard does not also ask the question of, Hey, how did it feel to, to win this game? Or, you know, can you talk about uh, the wild, the donation that you made to help with the wildfires in Australia? You know, when you present yourself as a one trick pony, and you only ask these hard questions under the guise of like doing it for the fans. Everybody mm-hmm. knows it's just a BS facade. So yeah. it just, um, you know, it amounts to grandstanding and some people can identify that. And unfortunately a lot of people cannot. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's very, very true. And I think that's a, it's a, it's a good segue to another topic I wanted to touch on because I think part of why the fans feel so empowered and feel like they're so right to think only one certain way about Ben was because of his portrayal uh, by, you know, local radio personalities. And I, I don't think everybody was that way, but there were certainly personalities who no matter what Ben did, no matter how he played the night before, it didn't matter because they were going to rip him regardless because that was the narrative that they wanted to, to, to roll with. Some of it had to do with the fact that the higher up their bosses, you know, felt a certain way about Ben. But also, like, it, when you're overly negative about the guy and he can't do any right by you, you're also part of the issue as to why he doesn't want to come back because the fans feel like, well, this you know, so-and-so on, uh, on, the light, on the late night show thinks that way. I'm justified in thinking that way, too, because I'm not really one who thinks that way. And yeah. therefore, they think that that translates to, to, to social media comments where it's like, you know, I don't care what he did. He's this, he's that. And so I think that this all ties together into into one big scenario for Ben, where it was like, I'm damned if I do, I'm damned if I don't. That's true. And that's a good point, you know, because even if he goes out and, you know, puts up 19 and 14 and seven or something like that, then the complaint will be that, well, you know, 16 of those points came from within two feet of the rim, yeah. you know, and uh, right. It's almost like you can't, you, you can't prove you. There's no way to, to break out of that, you know, and um you know, break those like uh, critiques that you have. And I, I got to say, like, I've been doing Philly sports for, I guess, 12 years now, 2009, not as long as a lot of other people, but you know, I've, I've never covered a guy that's as polarizing as Ben, oh, my God, like yeah. bar none, bar none. And uh, you know, I mean, I was at channel three when Michael Vick was with the Eagles and you know, all that's all that stuff happened. And it was just like, I think with Ben, it's, it's, you know, he, for, it's weird because, you know, I go out and I go on Twitter the other day and I try to make some devil's advocate points, you know, and I get really read all of them. by, by yeah, a bunch of people who think I'm like a dope or whatever, you know, so, um, <laughs> you know, but like for the most part, like Ben showed up, played hard every night, you know, rarely miss games, 
all the stuff about supermodels and Kendall Jenner is like, whatever, dude, he's young. He's in his twenties. He's got money. I mean, most people are going to act like that. You know, I sat on my ass and played Diablo two when I was 20 years old. So it's not, so a lot of the stuff that I think what they were criticizing him for was unfair. Um, but then at the same time, it's like, how do you, how do you square that circle with the idea that here's a guy, here's a max contract player who won't shoot the ball. You know, right. it was just, it was so hard to, Try to try to be fair and try to point out all the great things that he did in apex vision, floor running, passing, you know, defending one through five. And at the same time, it's like a guy wants you to basketball. So it's like like you're pulling your hair out just to try to walk the line a little bit because that there was like it was like the the forces of like whatever, like pulling you like severely in both directions. And it was mm-hmm. it's just hard to be fair to him, you know? Yeah. And I'll ask you this. Um, were you someone in the camp of, cause I never, I never read your opinion on this anywhere, but were you someone who was in the camp of like, he's this, he's that, like, he's very good, but the jump shot just needs to come. Or were you somebody that said, look at what he does here, here and there. And, 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 and if they put the right pieces around him, does a jump shot really matter? Cause I was in the camp of, I was in the camp of like, listen, the guy's not a confident shooter. And, and, and if he's not a confident shooter, it, he, he, even if he shoots it, what are the, like the chances of it going in are just they're to be they're not they're not favorable for a, a, a good player or a good shooter. What are they going to be for a guy like that? And so I was someone who said, look at what he does. If you get the right pieces around him, you get a, you get just one guy who can handle the ball, like Jimmy Butler could, and, and and create shots off the dribble, and he should be fine. And I was that's what that's the way I viewed it. I was a jump shot guy, but not in a negative way, but in a positive yeah. way. Where like, look, he Ben Simmons came into this league. Rookie of the year, his floor was elite passer, elite floor runner, elite defender, uh, decent enough rebounder. Like what? What did he? He was already elite at multiple things when he came in. Like, can you imagine what he would be with a, a shot? Yeah, like that was literally the only skill that was missing from from his arsenal. You know, so I was I was that's the mindset that I was approaching it with. It was like, look, it's the one thing that you have to add and. It's like perennial Ben Simmons with a jump shot, like is a perennial MVP candidate. I'm not like making that up. Like for real, like you're looking at like, like early, early career. Ben Simmons does remind me of LeBron a little bit. He was in in the way that they're, they're built, you know, but the, the, but the shooting came with time. And so I was always like, it's like, man, if you just like go out and like freaking grab, grab it by the throat and like, just add that one thing, like you, you could be, one of the best players of this generation. So I think it was more like from a frustration standpoint of like, man, you got, you have everything. You are so talented, man. You blessed with a, an amazing athletic frame and you know, all these talents and things like that. And it's just like, you add this one thing, man, that's it. I think that's what was frustrating to Philadelphia fans. Cause they're like, you know, do, do you address your weaknesses and try to improve them? And, you know, we can talk about marginal gains and things like that, but for the most part, his offensive game is the same as it was in, 2017 yes. so yeah. yeah and what's what's startling and like i think there'll at some point there'll probably be like a a story about his whole tenure from one of the big guys or one of the national guys or whatever but he shot the ball he was a jump shooter confident like somewhat confident of a jump shooter and willing jump shooter his rookie year where you would think like i know or you would think like whoa, whoa, whoa like, why is it going backwards now i he know was, those elbow jumpers and stuff oh they looked God. they looked fine you know and i would just make this point too it's like Everybody wants to talk about mechanics and uh, you know how his shot looks. Is he right-handed? Is he left? I mean, you could go, you could do a whole other podcast yeah. on that. I mean, I think we're we're at the point with that topic where it's not going to change now. We're going to go, go yeah. back to like shooting with his other hand. So like, it's less to me about mechanics and it's more about muscle memory and repetition yeah. and things like that. And you know, we all stood down there on the side of the uh, court, you know, watching him take these three pointers and these jump shots. And they looked a little funky, you know, he, he, his elbow was out and there was side spin, you know, and then, you know, when, when the ball would, when he'd miss on that side spin, you got these crazy offensive rebounds. Right. But enough of them went in to say that the mechanics are okay. It's just about the confidence to shoot it and the muscle memory to do it over and over again. I mean, like people got to understand you guys like Sean Marion, yeah. who were like shot putting the ball and yeah. you know, Reggie Miller had a funky release too for, for right. all intents and purposes. If you get, if you gave Reggie Miller to a shot doctor, if nobody knew who he was, the people would try to fix his shot. Yeah. But you know, they, those shots went in for those guys enough times that it didn't matter. And so I think for, I think that's where everybody is with Ben. These people are talking about like breaking down his shot and reconstructing it entirely. Yeah. I, don't, I don't think that's, yeah. 
you're, yeah. you're right. You're, 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 you're wasting your time with that. Yeah. I don't think his camps would let him do that. I don't think, I think he, if he, if he's too, someone who is too prideful to even work on it, what makes you think he's going to be so, so willing to break down his entire mechanic? You know, well, and you just want, yeah, and I think with him and with Markel and these other guys, like you just want these guys who are like dogs, you know, and I, it, it, there's nothing profound for me to say with this. And I wish I could ex- expound on this take a little bit more, but like guys just have a certain DNA, like you either yeah. want it or you don't want it. And, um, you, you have to like, just for him, he has to know it's like, look, I got this one skill to add and that's it, you know? Yeah. And like, what is his attitude? What is his mindset? Is he a killer? You know, is he Kobe? Or is he not? And, you know, it seems like it's more and more like it's the latter. So. Yeah, for sure. And I, I think like the thing that people say, like, he doesn't work hard, he doesn't try hard. I, I don't think it's that he doesn't work hard, he doesn't try hard. I think it's more about he puts in the wrong work. That's true. And you could say that it's with the wrong people, you yeah. know, for sure. I think that's an NBA problem specifically. You know, you don't find a lot of that in other sports where they're working with their own trainers or they're surrounding themselves with their own people or in their own circles and things like that. You know, you see it a little bit in football where, you know, Jalen Hurts will go train with a couple of his guys. They'll go down to Alabama or whatever, but they're all in there at training camp, you know? And I mean, basketball training camp is a joke. Yeah. And I think what people got to understand too is there's like, People say, well, why don't they work on this in practice? Like, bro, there is no practice in the NBA. <laughs> they practice like three times last year. So, yeah. you know, you're not going to work, you know, you're not going to do that as well. You know, it's so, um, I don't even remember what the point was, but yeah. So. Yeah. No, no, no. So like, <laughs> I, don't worry about it. It doesn't um, So I just got like with the Ben Simmons thing. I just go off on like random like tangents, you know, but I think it's what it drives you to because my, my whole thing was like, Sure, he has these he has this glaring flaw in his game, and it's holding him back. You you could argue that all day long, and you I wouldn't argue with anybody about that. But at the same time, like he's still a very good player. He's earned the accolades he's gotten to this point in terms of Rookie of the Year, All Star selections, you know, Defensive Player of the Year running up and All First Team, whatever it was. He's earned those things. So when you call him a bad player. Not only are you showcasing that, yeah. that, 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 like you're making it obvious, like you're making a case for why he shouldn't want to be here because it's like, well, God, like I'm pretty good. And you're telling me, like, 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 sure, like I have this issue, but like, to tell me I'm not to say I'm not a good player and to have all these people saying I'm not a good player when I've done this, you know, and I, and you guys haven't had a losing season with me here. You guys made, made the playoffs every year. Yeah. yeah. And so, and, and while the, while while that doesn't make up for the fact that he has a weakness and that he should be working on that weakness, it kind of number one it feeds into the negadelphia, and number two it also it it it, it you kind of like it feeds into like why a guy wouldn't want to be here. And so I think the booze like like I think you said this and I, I wrote this. It, this isn't about the booze because the booze are okay. Anyone it, it's totally fine. All it is really is just classical conditioning booing. So guys don't play well. You respond because you don't want them to do that. And mm-hmm. so they come out, they play better and they're conditioned. If they don't want them to boo, play better. That's all it is. And so yeah. that's fine. No, and that's that's fine. And that's just, you know, they don't, cause fans don't have a lot of ways to communicate their displeasure. You know, it's like, they're not going to walk up to Ben in the parking lot. And, you know, yeah. we'd hope, we'd hope not. So they boo because that they don't know any better. And that's kind of how they ex- say it's not good enough, you know? And generally what happens is like, uh, the player hears that they play better and then the fans love them. And that's all it is. It's just a natural love, hate <laughs> Philadelphia thing that you also find in Boston and New York and London with Arsenal and Turkey with Fenerbahce and Galatasaray. And it's like, you know, you can go on and on and on. So to say it's only a Philly thing is the biggest BS that you will ever hear. Cause it's not, that's the thing that makes my head explode. But you know, I think that, I think the thing with Ben specifically is that he has such a, uh, such a funky, entrance into the nba because his floor is so incredibly high mm-hmm. right off the bat his floor as a rookie is rookie of the year and perennial all-star mm-hmm. so where is his ceiling when your mm-hmm. floor is that high to begin with the ceiling is not much higher right you know and the other thing about him is that he does things that the casual nba fan does not pick up on it's Correct. very it's very easy to say well this the ball went in the hoop x amount of times we had this freaking problem with robert covington over and over again where it's like well people would just see that he went like two for nine from from three right but like they didn't identify the pre-switch that he made on the defensive end when they were trying to create a mismatch the other team yeah. you know it's like the untrained yeah. nba eye is 
doesn't pick up on that kind of stuff. And so I think what happens is you have this kind of like schism where it's like the data analytics, media players, coaches, kind of people who watch a lot of NBA are squarely in a pro Ben Simmons camp. And I think the casual, you know, like radio listener or like Eagles fan or something like that is in an anti-Ben camp because they just don't watch the game with as much nuance as other people do. And it's not to say that like one opinion is necessarily right or one opinion is necessarily wrong, but like there's a lot of stuff that people like Ben and and Covington and and TJ McConnell do that's just unquantifiable that you can't parse in a certain way. That's exactly right. And in the age of social media, in the age of hot, uh, of radio hot takery, where they're capitalizing on that, when, 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 when a lot of the, the people who call in to, to radio shows are going to be people who don't care enough. They, 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 don't, they, they don't have enough time to parse through those advanced stats or go rewatch the, the film clips that you think, well, wow, this is where this guy actually is a very valuable piece of the team. So they just call yeah. in, they read a box score, they see you know, the previous night's game and, and they call in and they, get, and they spew their nonsense. And yeah. and the the hosts though then they will run with that because it it creates it creates content it creates calling it, it, it that that's how they make their money. Well, and it's so easy, I, you know. I mean, yeah, yeah that's, that's what we were saying earlier. It's like I think then you go too far on the other side of the spectrum, and you get like Ben Dietrich, yeah. who will say who will do anything he can to defend Ben Simmons, even when there's obvious things that are right in front of his face that have to be acknowledged. You know, yeah, yeah. That's why I think like guys like. Um, you know, like Tiago and and dudes like that who who point out things that other people might not see to say like you know Ben created X amount of three pointers off drive and kick or stuff like that you know those are important like pieces of nuance that people might not might not realize so it's just he's just such a hard guy to cover because it's it's got to be eye test you know yeah. I mean it's like if you're not watching it you're not paying attention to the little things and not giving them credit for those other things then you're just telling an incomplete story. But a lot of people just can't get over the fact that here's a basketball player that won't shoot the basketball. And I get it, man. <laughs> like yeah. you don't, you don't gotta like tell me anymore, but like, there's always um, the one thing that Philadelphia does not do well. And this goes for the entire East coast sports fans is, is understanding that more than one thing can be true. Yeah, exactly. You know? Correct. You know? Exactly. We try, right. we try to shoehorn like everything into this nice like package of it's either it's binary. It's it's mm-hmm. either yes or no or whatever. And a lot of these things are are, are nonlinear, you know? Yeah. A couple more points here. I just want to make sure I, I'll let you go. Um, so I think the reason that perhaps with what Danny and, and Joel are saying, I think maybe deserves or is, is interesting to even just consider at a, at a more deeper level than just like shut the fuck up, you know, like, like you, you, your players, like we, we have the right, whatever. Um, I think the interesting thing I've been trying to tell you is if, 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 if they're saying Ben, but they're saying other guys, like not every player is like that, you know, some guys then that they're not saying just one guy, they're saying some guys, that means that Ben's not the only person that reacts this way. And, I it, may, it begs the question of in the past and in the future when players are evaluating whether they want to come to Philadelphia or not. And I don't think the fan base is the reason that they're making their decisions. They are. They're soft to begin with. Yeah. But if you're weighing, do I go to uh, Charlotte or do I go to Philadelphia or do I go to you know this market or do I, do I, go, do I go to Philadelphia? Perhaps maybe – the fan reaction and this in this tendency for excessive criticism at times, maybe that's a swing factor into why people don't choose Philadelphia. It could be. I mean, it, that's always a hard topic to kind of get into because we don't have any kind of, you know, like hard data to look at when it comes to that. How many people have outright come, you know, how many free agents or how many draft picks or any, any people have said, I, outright do not want to play in Philadelphia because of the fans, you know, it's something we theorize and it's a hypothetical, but, um, you know, like Boston fans are largely assholes and they've won 12 titles in 20 years. Yes. You know? I, saw that, so, I saw that tweet you, you put out. Yes. Well, that's, and that was in response to something specific, right? Where it was like, you know, people were saying, well, we don't win championships and maybe it's because of the fans. Well, I mean, there's plenty of like buttheads every, everywhere on the East, East coast and the Patriots and the Bruins and the, you know, all these teams have won titles for sure. And, um, you know, it's it's interesting that I, I think in a weird way, you know, like like Joel when he says, "Look, not everybody's built this way," 
um, he's trying, maybe he's trying to help out Ben Simmons and say like, you know, look, some people, you know, overcome adversity in a different kind of way. But then the fan, a portion of fans look at that and say, well, then maybe he's a pussy. Right. Right. And I don't know if that's fair or not. I, I, cause you know, I'm just saying that that's what fans are going to, are going to think, you know, because Mm -hmm. they're going to say, if you can't handle this, then what, then what is it? You know what I mean? It's like, you you can, you can kind of like equate it to, you know, kids in the classroom learn in different ways. You know, some of them have to be hands-on. Some of them can just look at a book and recite it. Some of them need to, need to go up to the chalkboard and they need to write out the word on the chalkboard and that's how they learn it. You know, Mm -hmm. I, I forget what the word is. It starts with an E. Um, you know, and maybe in the sense of like NBA players and criticism, some of them deal, some of them can deal with the booing and the social media and stuff like that. Some of them can't. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think if they, if Danny Green and Joel Embiid want to want to land with this, then we should ask them to elaborate on it. They should elaborate on it, and they should say, "Hey, this is what you can do to help us be mm-hmm. better, which will ultimately benefit you because we'll play better and we'll win more games." You know, yeah. that has to be the appeal. Because right? yeah. otherwise fans are going to be like, what the hell do we care about? Like your mental health or whatever, you yeah. know, a younger generation is attuned to that. The older people are not. Mm-hmm. So you have to appeal to them and you have to say, this is what you can do to help me to help you. So it's, mm-hmm. it's help me, help you, help me. Right. Or help, <laughs> help you, help me, help you. Right. You get it. We take another quick break from the pod to talk about our sponsor, Thrive Fantasy. Come hashtag prop up on Thrive Fantasy this season. Thrive Fantasy is a daily fantasy sports app for player props. They have eliminated the need to do countless hours of research because they only ask you about the top tier athletes in a respective sport. If it's the NFL, choose 10 out of the 20 player prop options to build your lineup. Hey, NBA is coming, MLB is coming to an end soon. NBA is getting started up a couple months. Choose five out of the 10 player prop options to build your lineups. Each prop has a fantasy point total associated with the over or under based on its likelihood to occur. The more points a selection is worth, the riskier it is. Rack up the most points to win a share of the prize pool. Um, use promo code Simmons for three. I know, Simmons for three. Uh, that uh, when you sign up today and you'll receive an instant deposit match up to $50 on your first deposit of $20 or more. That's Simmons for three. Again, it's the word four, F-O-R, three, number three, Simmons for three. Download Thrive Fantasy on the App Store or Play Store or by visiting their website, www.thrivefantasy.com. Sign up and hashtag prop up today. And now we get back to the pod. Yeah, I, I, I get the point. I get the point. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I and this is leading me to my final point here. And I think like I'm curious your your take on this and your perspective here is: Are you at all surprised that in the age where mental health is such like a a a big topic in our society that people are maybe not as willing to understand the side of the player here? Because at the end of the day, like they're celebrities, they're athletes, and we're you know regular people. And so we can leave our, 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 you know, we, we finish work at whatever time we finish work, we go home and we can forget about it. There's no one, there's no one there, um, you know, to, to, to remind us over and over again, if we're not performing well at our jobs, whereas the athlete leaves the court, they, you know, they they go out to dinner or whatever, they're they're inevitably going home at some point. And they're, they're the modern era. They're going to be looking at Instagram for what they, because they, that's just how people are. And they're going to inevitably be reminded by fans you suck. You, you know, I like you know, like, like you're passing out of dunks. You're doing this, doing that. I think it it, it breeds this in, this mental environment for players where they can't escape any of it, and they're just trying to make themselves feel better. And then the only way of doing that is to perform, but they can't perform because they don't feel because they're so far in their head. And I think you can make a case that perhaps that's part of what's going on with Ben Simmons. I think so for sure. And um, it's a fascinating topic. It's one that I think straddles generational lines. Yes. And if anything, I've noticed on social media over the last couple of days since I put like four different Twitter threads out there, I should have just waited and combined all my thoughts instead of just meandering around social media like an idiot. But um, I've noticed clearly that a lot of the older fans, you know, probably like 40 and up definitely side with the like just, you know, pull yourself up by your bootstraps and get on with it. You're a millionaire. Yes. Life can't be this hard, whatever. And the vast majority of people who are coming at me and like, you know, 
saying, you know, you got to treat these guys like humans and you got to look at it this way. and You got to be more sensitive. Definitely seem like they're sub 30 years old. And yeah. um, that goes for anything besides sports, too. I mean, like, you know, our our dads and our uncles were like, oh, just suck it up, you know, yeah. walk it off, you know, whatever. You're right. All that kind of crap. Right. So. You know, it's interesting because my generation straddles the line. So I think we see it both ways. You know, you want to, you want to, there, there's always a very fine line where it's like, look, you got to just sort of suck it up and like understand that this is a situation you're in. But at the same time, it's like, you can be a millionaire, you can be famous, you can have all these fancy cars and stuff like that. You're still human. Yes. You know, you still, you can't get, get away from it. You know, just because Ben Simmons has a supermodel girlfriend and, you know, of money in the bank and a $17 million California mansion doesn't mean that he doesn't think and feel and have emotions and a brain like the rest of us, you know? So I think it's like on people to realize that it's not, it's not situational. Yeah. You know, it's like, it's like congruent across all kinds of, you know, walks of life and whatnot. And so I, I would like to hear, um, Joelle and Danny ex- expound on that. And I, I'll ask Doc Rivers about it too. I'll ask Darren more about it. I'll ask anybody they friggin' put in front of us. I'll ask yeah. him about it. Cause I think, I think, it, it, it matters for all of that too. You know, I think the NBA, I, I would end it on this. The NBA has always kind of been at the forefront of anything social yes. or anything cultural that has anything to do with sport or, or any, or what's going on in the United States. Uh, you know, you talk about social justice, black lives matter, any, anything that has anything to do with that. The NBA is co- always kind of like in front of everybody else when it comes to that. And, and that, that's true for this too. You know, maybe, If NBA players like Joel Embiid and Danny Green speak up and say, you know, this is what fans are and this is what we need from you and this is why it should be different than maybe the NFL players take notice and maybe, you know, soccer players start doing the same thing. But it's always this has always kind of been a, a, uh, you know, a testing ground for for ideas that are newer and may not be as popular. And I'm interested to see where it goes. Yeah. Before before we let you go, Kevin, um, last thing. So do you think he'll be here for training camp? Or not, not not here. Like, he, I don't think he's going to show up. But do you think he'll be rostered by then? I don't think so. Okay. I don't think so. You know, I I just you know I just feel like it's like naturally run its course, and uh, you know it's not like the worst thing in the world, right? Like I think I think what's overrated is people say, well, his value's dropping, or he's he's killed his value, or now the Sixers have played the wrong hand, or whatever. But look, like everybody starts high, you know. Yeah. Everybody goes in high and then eventually you meet in the middle and that's where the value is. So if like, if it was ridiculous to think that like, you know, you're going to ask the Warriors for four first round picks and James Wiseman and Andrew Wiggins at the same time, and you're probably going to settle for something less. Yeah. So if, if regardless of whether Ben Simmons and Rich Paul said this or not, like nobody should have been surprised if you end up with a hall that's like a McCollum or a Sexton. You know, yeah. because yeah. that's inevitably where you would have ended up if you didn't land Damian Lillard or Bradley Beal in the first place. Because how many Bradley Beals or Damian Lillards are there anyway? Yeah, exactly. NBA, right. Like five. So, yeah. you know, I think people got to understand that that's just you start high and then you end up somewhere a little bit lower. You know? Yeah. I think off of that, just like it, it, the, 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 the thing about like his values, this, it's that like the Sixers are screwed. No, because they have the leverage in this situation. Rich Paul and Ben can say whatever they want. He's still under contract for four more years, so they can still hold out. Yeah, and people need to understand too that, like, you know, when you have a public like report or a leak or whatever like that, everybody's like, "Oh, well, now you know, GMs are going to try to get Ben Simmons on the cheap." That is the biggest bunch of bullshit that you will ever yeah. hear. GMs are plugged in, agents are plugged in. Everybody knows what's going on. Everybody knows what the situation is. Everybody is wise to the fact that, like, you know, this person feels a certain way about this person or this GM and this player are on the outs or whatever. So nothing it only changes in the social media world. Nothing really changes behind the scenes because people yeah. are abreast of the situation Yes, and know what's going on. So I, I, I would just tell people like stay away a little bit from this, this narrative of like, well, so-and-so is killing his value. Yes. Cause, because okay. he's still at the end of the day, still a X time all-star. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Kevin, uh, any, any, anything you want to plug? The floor is yours. No, nah, man, crossingbroad.com. Got the Eagles coming up, baby. Yeah, right. let's get it back to the Eagles. I do a soccer podcast called It's Always Soccer in Philadelphia. I do the postgame show on Fox Sports, The Gambler. And, uh, uh, yeah, I, you know where to find me. That's right. I'm ready for another round of, of quarterback debates. It's going to be fun. For, yeah, uh, should, the, should the Eagles start 
Gardner Minshew. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait. Sorry. It's gonna. It's, 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 week two. Week two. It'll be there. But I tell you what, dude. I tell you this. I tell you this much. Every player, every every fan base on the planet, when the starter isn't playing well, they call for the next guy on the depth chart. It could be a. They could be the Eagles quarterback. It could be the Flyers goaltender. It could be Arsenal's starting striker. It's not any different. So we are. Uh, we in Philadelphia are not unique in that regard. Correct. All right, Kevin. Thanks so much for having on me tonight. Yeah, any any time, man. Just uh, just give me a shout and happy to do it whenever. For sure. You take care. Have a good night. All right.